Hello, folks. My name is Spencer George, and you're listening to The Good Folk Podcast. The poet Mary Oliver once wrote that attention is the beginning of devotion. I think about those words almost every single day. It was the drive to learn how to pay attention that brought me back here. I wanted to remember how it felt to find beauty in an empty field in the glint of light on leaves. I wanted to, as so much of the mythology of rural places entails, learn how to slow my life down. I wanted ease and connection and simplicity. To remember how, first and foremost, to just be a normal person. Of course, it's never that easy. And these days, life feels busier than ever before. But it also feels full and full of those moments of mutual recognition. They seep into my work and they seep into today's conversation, which is about artistry and attention and the spirituality of the everyday. The beauty in learning how to just exist with no expectations. It is a difficult practice, but it is one we should all be cultivating. And today's guest, Hubble Salgado, does so well. Hubble is a musician who makes solo music under the name Fresh Air 4. Based in Nashville, Tennessee, he creates his folky electronic music in the comforts of his living quarters on his humble analog setup. He finds inspiration in his family, friends, city, and the nature surrounding Nashville. Connection is everywhere. You only have to learn how to pay attention and to listen and let the world translate itself to you. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I disappeared. That's why. Um, cool. So Hubble, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for reaching out. And I'm sorry we're not in Asheville. I would love to have connected with you. But um, no, it's no problem. Thank you for having me on your on your show. I'm a. I've been becoming a big fan of um, what you guys have at Good Folk. Well, that's good to hear. You know, we started this. I started as a newsletter like two years ago, almost, that I had just been talking about, and then we decided to turn it into the podcast, um, and it's been fun from there. It's basically, nowadays, kind of a music podcast, which is really, we're having a great time, but definitely, like, I think your sound fits with a lot of the artists that we've had, and at some point, you know, we'll have to get you to Durham um, or the Triangle, or we'll all, like, connect in Asheville on a weekend when everyone's free, because there's a lot of people that I could see some overlap happening there. Yeah, yeah. I I love the the whole music scene in um Asheville. I like I I definitely find myself like romanticizing just moving to Asheville, but you know, that's that's a that's a tall order for Well, Nashville to Asheville is not too far, but Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just like living out in the woods and recording art and music all day. I love that. It's the dream, right? Oh my god. If in three words, how would you describe yourself and your work? I one of them one of them would probably be it sounds a little bit silly, maybe, but uh green because I think it it's it's encompassing for me personally. It encompasses like uh I'm I'm a huge fan of, you know, nature, not only the, the color, but nature and you know, being green, like doing better for the world, which I try to do and I try to reflect it in my music 
nature and being better for the world. The other two words, oh man, maybe odd and oh man, really just busting out with like the got to throw you off guard the, right at the beginning, you know, and then, yeah, then we ease yeah. you back into it. Yeah. Oh man, the third word, I guess, um, independent. I love. All three of those. Um, I'm so glad you say green because I'm right there with you. Green is my favorite color. And I feel like when I think about my work, which is mostly rooted in like environmental studies and Appalachian studies, I think of the word green. And I can't explain that to people. Um, but I completely hear that when I listen to your music, which is it is odd and it is yeah. green in the best of ways. Yeah. And I, I want to ask you now, of course, just to tell us a little bit more about your music and kind of your super basic backstory as a musician. And then obviously we'll get further into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I started playing music when I was, you know, young. I was like 11 or 12 when like I discovered like the Beatles and then, you know, went down the hole of music and I think I was 17 when I found out like Mac DeMarco existed and just like new music in general, like not just like, you know, classic dad rock. And I was like, oh, cool. And then um, from the age of 14, I played with um, three of my friends and we made a band called Brantwood and we were a band from like, oh man, like 2014 to like just a couple months ago when i me and i it was it was time it was time to end it and put it all behind uh like almost 10 years and i think in 2021 i started recording like my own stuff not necessarily to be like a whole solo project but you know just kind of experimenting like i got like the classic story like i got like a tape machine and started doing stuff with that and then I just really I just like recording and releasing music and um and that kind of turned in into that and with the other band it was like you know it was indie indie rock um the indiest rock that you could imagine and the music that I'm making right now is maybe not so not so indie rock and I like that and that's it. That's my story. How would you describe the music you make now? Would it be those three words, the green, odd, and what was the third one we said? Independent. Independent. So you're, you're a self-taught musician, correct? Yeah. I took um, I took bass lessons from, from this nice woman, and um, but I only took them for about a couple weeks, and they were like a day per week. And then I think, I guess I just took that and ran. And just from, you know, my friends and like YouTube tutorials, you know, and um, and then just from on there, you know, I kind of maybe put things uh, together. And where are you in all of this? Because you're in Nashville now, but have you always been in Nashville? No, I um, I'm originally from 20 minutes outside of Chicago, basically me and all my friends, because um, a bunch of my friends actually moved from the place we're from to Nashville. We're we're actually from this town called Highland, Indiana. So I'm a Hoosier. I'm not from Illinois actually. And not many people know that. I tend to keep keep Indiana 
You've always got to hide a little bit of your backstory, you know? Yeah, and and I'm I might keep hiding that. I might not hide that so much anymore. But uh yeah, I made the mistake in like telling all my coworkers that I'm from Chicago and not everyone is like, you know, asking me these like facts about Chicago and I don't know, you know, I know a little bit, you know, like I I went there a lot, but I I don't know the the deep cuts for, you know, the inner city. But um what brought me to Nashville, uh the bassist in Brantwood, um my friend Sam, his mom found this like audio engineering school through I don't know what and me and the drummer uh, my friend Hussam, we were like, we'll go. And so um, our other member of Brantwood, Liam, he decided to come down here and do uh, college. And that was 2018. So we've been down here ever since. What has your experience been like working in Nashville as a musician? Because obviously Nashville has such a celebrated and yeah. just like legendary music history. Um, I'm sure that was always part of the draw as a musician, but how has it felt to be on the ground there? Pretty crazy, actually. Like, you know, when you come, when you're a musician and you come to Nashville, you think, you know, oh, it's going to be all country. And it is. And But the second, like, genre of music I found out that was, like, very heavy in Nashville and surrounding areas was metal which I thought was interesting. Um, the more and more I kind of, you know, am in the South, metal is just like all-encompassing. There's a kind of like anywhere, you know, it's a huge community that you can just get totally lost in if maybe, you know, just moving here as a musician, if you know like a few people, like in in a couple nights you could meet like, a thousand other musicians that'll take you to a thousand other different little scenes and little, um, little sub scenes, even, which even I'm still finding out five years in. And, um, it's, it's very cool. There's so many great musicians, um, and like a venue, every corner, or even just a place to play. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been good. I I really like it. Um, the landscape, especially too. This is like when I moved down here, I thought all these were like mountains, but they're actually hills. I was just having this conversation with someone recently, and we were like, we need foothills studies, right? Of like kind of these regions that are surrounded by Appalachia, but maybe are distinct in their own way. Would you say I'm coming back to the word green here? Because to me, green feels so connected to landscape and. Um, I feel like I walked outside today and it was the first day that everything had kind of turned green. There's a David Foster Wallace short story about it where it's titled Everything is Green and it's about that that kind of moment and that inspiration. Would you say that landscape is something that influences the music that you make now or the area that you're surrounded by? Definitely. Yeah. I um you know, there's not there's there's definitely, you know, beautiful landscape back home. Um you have the beach, Lake Michigan, you have the dunes and, you know, that's about it. Um, but coming down, like as soon as I moved down here, I started going hiking a lot and yeah, I've, I've always loved like being surrounded by nature and, 
and I mean, especially in Tennessee, like I live like West Nashville kind of, and uh, it's not so congested, which is super nice. I mean, it's, but yeah, to answer, to answer your, your question. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I love nature. I write, I write a, a lot about it and use, I use the words, you know, tree, grass, and grow and every every word that you can associate with nature and um uh plant matter as you can possibly imagine so when we first connected you described kind of the music that you're making now as this sort of like funky folk kind of off in its own category but inspired by maybe some of these more like classic folk sounds which is a genre that is super connected to the natural world at least stereotypically of you know you've got the the guy on the porch playing the banjo, making folk music. And like, that's what folk music looks like. How do you think about your own work in terms of genre within this? Um, and how would you, you know, could you tell us a little bit more about what folk music means to you? I don't know. I mean, like I've, I've always, I've always been a huge fan of folk music or maybe what I considered folk music, like from a very early age. I I think, I think folk music is, um, I think when you break it down, it's very honest. Um, it's very honest and sweet sounding, or it could be sweet sounding. Um, but I mean, you know, the whole beauty is in the eye of the be- beholder in this case. Uh, sweet sounding are in the ears of the listener. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a young age, like Bob Dylan, um, I've always loved, I mean, how could you not love uh, big uh, Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell, and and I mean, there's so many I could go on and on with folk artists. Um, but yeah, I would, I I think folk music, like the genre of folk, has always been the genre that I've come back to, trying to think about kind of what genre I fit in. Because even trying to find artists to or you know people to play with. I listen to their music and some of it sounds pretty, you know, similar to maybe what I'm doing. And I love like weird, freaky, off the wall, very like experimental music. And I think I can maybe do that too. But then some of my songs are just straight up, you know, just like this little kind of Daniel Johnson-y, just me and a guitar and trying to sing sweet, sweet melodies. When I think about folk music, one thing that feels so powerful to me is that it it's a little deceptive in the way that it sounds very sweet and kind of just like soothing, calm. But oftentimes if you look up the lyrics and listen to them, especially in the tradition of like folk ballad singing, it's like people singing about murder and ghosts and revenge and some of these darker topics, which I think is a great way to read into the South as a region of kind of sweet and, you know, nice and ordered on the surface. And there is this kind of darker history. And One thing I like to think about modern folk is, I mean, I would make the claim that I think modern folk music is doing probably the best job at processing some of these difficult histories. And like classic country does this too, which are both genres that are huge in Nashville. Um, Would you say that just like being in Nashville had an influence on your kind of shift into folk music? Um, Or was that something that you felt before you got there? You know what? No, uh, definitely. I... I'd like to think I'm a I'm a huge believer in um and you know just things happen for 
for a reason. Most things, I guess, or, you know, the universe takes you kind of wherever um, your path is or maybe gives you choices. But definitely for the type of the music that I'm making right now is definitely very inspired by um, coming to Nashville, the music of Nashville, deeply rooted, and also just, you know, these beautiful artists that I've I've seen and heard play their kind of weird type folk, um, whether it be very, you know, just off-the-wall sounds or just a sweet, you know, person with uh, a guitar and singing. Would you say that I, I also, too, am a big believer in fate and that I certainly did not think this would be my life, and yet it's hard to imagine my life differently? Do you think that the path you're on now is a path that you were kind of forced, not forced into, but pushed on in some ways? I don't know. If, if, it, is, uh, if it is, I like where it's pushing me, definitely. I, I actually caught myself, um, I caught myself like the, like a couple weeks ago, I was like driving or whatever. And I just like thought to myself, like, wow, like I'm, I'm very happy, like where I am right now. And I was like, that that's such like a weird out of body kind of feeling to, to actually, for someone to actually like, you know, feel that way. I wrote about it in the newsletter this week, that exact feeling of, and it's always while driving somehow of like, you turn the bend. And especially for me, it's so heavily rooted to landscape of you turn the bend and like the light is hitting the trees just right. And especially this time of year. And you're like, wow, this is like all I ever wanted. And it's so gratifying to have that moment as an artist and to realize the possibility in that. And I'm like, that's the whole point. Like, that's what we make art for. I don't need the fame. I don't need the success. I don't need the recognition. It's that moment of being like, I am happy and I am fulfilled and I'm on the path. I don't know where the path goes, but I'm on the path. And I'm happy with where the path has taken me. Yes. Yeah. I I feel the same way. Like I, yeah, I don't know. Like I am, I'm just happy releasing, just, you know, releasing music and just, being able to, and also, you know, I don't know, be like a regular person, I guess, or, and also just like, you know, I've, like the first couple times I've released music, like I didn't tell anybody, because I thought it was, you know, kind of fun that way, you know, just like, I, like I, keep it a secret. yeah, like I, I made, uh I made the fresher for like Instagram, and made like three posts with like zero followers and I didn't follow anybody else. I like the dichotomy you bring up of multiple things here because you're saying, I like that I get to be both an artist and a regular guy, which I want to talk about more for sure. But also that as an artist, you have this almost like alternate personality of which you make music under and that's a little bit yeah. of a mystery, which is really a fun way to do it um, for sure. Yeah, it, it it is. It's, I don't know. Like I, I try not to like take the whole music thing so like seriously or like even like the band name like you know Fresher for it just like it was um it was on like a cassette tape that I got from like a Goodwill or something and I was like recording like you know my my music my like first um quote unquote album and. And I was like, that's, that's, you know, actually a really cool, like, name for a project. 
and I try not to take it so seriously, but I also I also don't want to be that you know classic like oh I don't care about anything. I'm just trying to go with the flow, but I also am trying to go with the flow and just you know let let the I don't know let the wind go you know where it wants to go I guess. Well, you have the stereotype of like the jaded artist that's like, I don't yeah. care about anything. And that's mostly what we see in terms of representations of artists. And then yeah. you have this other side that's like, there's two ways to not care about anything. There's the way that it's like, I don't care about anything because everything is bad. And it's like, I don't care about anything because it's all going to work itself out, right? And I'm just going to trust the path. Um, exactly, exactly. My life motto with this is I, I'm like obsessed with pine trees. Anyone who knows me knows this. And it's mostly because I had a friend once who gave me a note that said, you remind me of a pine tree because like them, you are strong and stable yet able to move in the wind. And that's become like such a life metaphor of, yeah, I want to be like rooted and grounded in who I am and my artistic practice. But I also want to be able to like maintain a state of flux and to be open yeah. to like wherever the world is going to lead me. And I think so many of the problems we see with artists sometimes is we get so grounded in like the work and the practice and who we are and what success is that we forget to like just be open to life, right? Yeah. I'm so yeah. glad you bring up too with that the idea of like I got this name off something in the thrift store. I literally was having this conversation with one of my students this morning um, in an intro folklore class and we were talking about the novel that I'm working on. I have a poster on my wall that I got at a flea market Um and I stole the tagline for the book, like straight from it. And I was talking to my student about this, if they were saying like, yeah, I have this weird thing that I collect and I got it like at a thrift store and it's a bracelet that has this saying on it. And now that's become my life motto. And I think part of that is that in my mind, really good art can come out of learning how to pay attention to the world around you in a really meaningful way of like being open to, I'm going to find this weird thing in a thrift store and that's going to become meaningful for me. In folklore work, we place meaning and stories onto objects, I mean, in good and bad ways, but most of the time, the significance that an object holds is because we're willing to write the story for it, or at least to let the story come to us um, and hold meaning, which I think is so indicative of what you're talking about and so wonderful. And I, I really love the name Fresher for it. And I think it fits so nicely with the words that you've offered to describe your work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, oh, that was, that was, that was such a good um oh man one i that is such a sweet thing to for your friend to say to you the about the that you're you're like a pine tree that's that's so cool it's like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me and this is not even someone i have a lot of contact with anymore but it has stuck with me for like my entire life so yeah, this goes to is, show you never so know sweet. yeah Say nice things to people because you never know what significance they're gonna have. Of course, yeah. I I try to, uh, I try to, I try really hard to to do that. But you know, it's and then I just forget, I guess. But sometimes I, sometimes I persevere and and I don't forget. Um, but yeah, and that's with the whole um, like, just these little little things you pick up in life, and you're like, huh, like I really like that or that really resonates with me. Um, I, I try and, and do that. I've, I've been trying to do that more so in the last couple months, um, just to, you know, just to kind of bring more personal peace to myself, like finding little, little things and maybe adding them to, um, a mantra or something, or, you know, just really trying to soak 
the little things in it, which is which is often very hard for most people to do. Do you have any of these kind of like small everyday practices or rituals that are important to you? I I try really hard to uh, every I work the morning shift at my job, and uh, so I get home at three thirty. I get off at three thirty. I get home at like four or whatever, and um, I always try to do yoga. Um, there was a long time where I was like hitting it every day, and I was like, wow, like I feel I feel light. I feel free as a bird and and I've been skipping a few days which is you know that's okay I've been forgiving myself but um which I didn't do it today when I got home but I will do it after this but yeah yoga yoga is one of them would you say that you're a spiritual person by any means yeah I would say I'm definitely spiritual in in any sense you know in um yeah, I like I just like to, you know, try and try and have that connectivity to the universe and just the things that are around me that are natural like um mother nature. Mother nature is a is a big one, you know, she's she's the best. I ask because the way you talk reminds me a lot of my own approach to this, which is to say that I'm spiritual but not religious. And lately I've been thinking about that in terms of like the spirituality of the everyday and just that sometimes a small connection or, you know, that moment where you come around the bend in the car and the light is hitting the trees just right. And you're like, this is the happiest I've ever been. Like that is like a holy experience in so many ways. It really is. It really is. Yeah, right. I, oh my, like I've, I have had so many experiences like that from just like hiking. Like I, um, like I said earlier, like I used to go hiking a lot. I have, I went hiking so much that I think I might have gone on almost every trail in in and around Nashville so maybe I stopped for a little bit because of that and also I just I have like I feel like I have too many hobbies and so maybe other hobbies got in the way of hiking but yeah I've had so many just you know experiences where like you get to like the little overlook that's like what I'm for like I go hiking for the overlooks so I could see like as far as you know, as far as you can and just like taking it all in, like it's, you know, really some beautiful sights out there that you could really experience. It's a good metaphor for life and art, which are often kind of the hard, like uphill climb. But when you get to those moments where you're at the overlook, right, you know, you're, the trees are hitting right, the light looks good, the view is beautiful. To me, to go back to what we were talking about with the idea of like being on the path, like those are the moments where I know I'm on the path. And I think the older I get, the more I'm learning how to release that of like, but this is what the path looks like and this is where the path needs to go. It's like, nope, I'm at the overlook. I'm taking it in. I'm enjoying yes. it. I'm going to turn yeah. and go back up the trail. And I don't know, the next overlook might be even better, but it doesn't yeah, matter because yeah. I'm going to have this one right now. That is that is totally right. And that's definitely like, you know, because sometimes, sometimes you don't want to go f full throttle. You want to say let me take a break and look at this little this you know little one first and yeah and it doesn't matter you know that that the the next big one will will always be there 
With art too, I think it's really important of, we have to learn to like appreciate the journey with it, right? And I want to go back to what you said earlier where you were like, I'm both an artist, but I'm also just a regular guy. And I love that because so many artists are like, my biggest fear is being a regular guy, right? And um, I rag on, I mean, I rag on David Foster Wallace all the time, but there's a running (laughs) joke that like his whole thing was that his genius was like being a regular guy. And I don't think that's true because- anyone who's read or tried to read Infinite Dress is like, no, you're not a regular guy. But yeah, there's an element of a, like, yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, he's, yeah, he's definitely not a regular guy. No, he's not a regular guy at all. There's a great <laughs> piece that came out in, um, what's the magazine? It's a Canadian magazine a few years ago. And it was talking about like reckoning with artistry and genius and um, like a young male writer who idolized David Foster Wallace. And then David Foster Wallace kills himself. And then how do you reckon with the people who you admire are sometimes some of the people who want to like exit their life the most. Um, That is a whole thing that plays into like this tragic artist. But I think part of that comes out of the fact that we don't see enough artists who are also just like content to be regular people. And I think growing up for me as an artist, it was like, I, I only want to be a writer if I'm going to be like a number one New York times bestseller. And now I'm like, no, like if I can do what I like and be surrounded by community, like that's it. It's the overlook. It doesn't need to be this like incredible summit at the top, right? It's appreciating yeah. these moments of overlook. And, and who knows? Maybe there is a great summit there for all of us. But I think also that looks different to everybody. Wow. So many, so many points that, uh, oh man. I'm on a metaphor yeah. kick today. You can uh, tell. <laughs> holy moly. I'm trying to, I'm trying to piece them all together. Cause so like, um, with the whole trying to find, you know, that's, one thing that I I really really favor when I maybe find a new artist, or you know I'm I get very I think it's I get obsessive over a lot of things, but I think mainly like artists like you know I'll I'll hear like one song and then I'm listening to like albums demos, you know YouTube rips or whatever like watching interviews, reading interviews and like all this sort of, you know, stuff that like, uh, you know, just crazy fanatic stuff. And, you know, because I'm uh, after, at the core of it, I'm just a music fan. But there's something so special about like seeing someone, seeing an artist who you you kind of just know that like you, you hear an album they put out or a song or a piece of art that they maybe promote or they make and they post it on their, you know, Instagram, whatever. And you're like, you, you could tell that that's really from them and not for any sort of label or contract or whatever. Simple little like real things like that, or just maybe pictures of them out in public or whatever, you know, at, at like the map go or Seven Eleven or something. But that, that's like, that that's what really resonates with me with uh my favorite artists for sure and the other points that um you mentioned that i wanted to hit on just completely blanked on them but 
We were talking about regular guyness, which I like because the moments that you're talking about of what inspires you with artists is like seeing them at the gas station, right? It's not these grand moments of glory, like, oh, we've sold out the stadium, we're on a tour. It's like, no, here I am just being a regular person. I think this is why we see like people are like obsessed with Ethel Kane right now. It's because like Ethel Kane is making an aesthetic of like the everyday in the rural in a way that's both problematic and all the ways it is cool. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows (laughs) I love Ethel Kane. Hello, Ben, if you're listening. (laughs) Ben and I both love <laughs> Ethel Kane. But again, it's that like, I too love to see, I mean, it's why we like paparazzi. You know, we want to prove that famous people can yeah. also just be regular people. And within that, I think it inspires us to say, hmm, I'm a regular person. I can have that too, which is the the double-edged sword e- of art. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough. I like, you know, for me, like it's, you know, it for me, like I I look at the apps that show me who listened to my music or how many people listened. Of course I do. I'm just a regular, you know. I'm it's that's like in all of us. You You're know? just and a like, regular guy, you know? I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> that's and, the tagline for this episode. I'm just oh, a regular man. guy. <laughs> it it's it's I was talking about this to one of my friends the the other night, and like it's like I'm not gonna lie. It's it's so cool for people to to like see people listening to my music. Just like it's probably cool like seeing people like listen to the podcast or Oh, it's wild. It's mind-blowing to me that like people listen. Read your writings like it's crazy, yeah. you know? Cuz you make art oftentimes like for yourself and yeah. for your own way of processing the world and then when someone tells you they enjoy it, it's like the best feeling ever. But it is also it really crazy cuz it's like, hmm, this is my internal universe. That is actually being, I think there's sometimes when we share art, it's like, this is my internal universe. I'm going to put it out there, but like, no one's going to resonate with it or connect to it. And then people are emailing being like, love the podcast. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's mind blowing. And it's also the coolest thing ever. It really is. It's, it's the coolest thing ever. And, but also on the other side of that, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to release maybe something cool that so many people are going to like, but the next day I'm going to also release something else that I think is equally as cool, but people are going to maybe like hate or, and, and it could be, you know, it could be people that are strangers or your friends and family, which I'll, I'll share some, some ideas or stuff with uh, some of my friends or whoever. And sometimes, you know, you can tell if, you know, someone's, it's not their style, but if I like it and it's recorded, it's going on, it's going on streaming, the band camp, you know, anything. It's getting burned onto a CD. I don't, you know, because I like it. That kind of trust in your work is, I think, really difficult for a lot of people. Like a lot of people are thinking about, oh, they're not going to like this. I'm not going to release it. How do you, you seem to have a really great perspective on this. How do you stay kind of true to your own voice and vision against what the outside wishes of the world? Uh, You know, it, it's tough because I don't know. It's, that's a, I, I'm very confident in what I like most of the time because you know there's there's a bunch of there's you know tons of songs and little you know ditties I came up with that are just like horrible and will forever stay in the voice memo or the reel of tape or whatever but it's I, I think it's it's a lot tougher as a solo musician um which is me uh 
then then as opposed to you know being in a band with like three of your best friends for so many years it's you know if if four people make something that they all are like about like yeah this is you know really cool like we all really like this it's a lot easier because you each have you're kind of sharing that confidence with each other and you know you're like here it is let's release out into the world as opposed to being in a like your bedroom and it's like it's just me and these headphones and my speakers and like my thoughts so it's like it's different but i think you can you can overcome it i i believe in most of my stuff to just kind of say you know whatever i i don't wanna like i'm not just gonna spend all this time and keep it to myself like what what's that about you know no one's gonna rolling stone magazine isn't gonna roll up and be like let's release these songs you know because he never released them or whatever so might as well just press publish on the sites it's the great joy and terror of being known yeah you know i yeah it it i think it it doesn't matter what it is i might as well just put it out there and if someone stumbles upon it from, you know, different tags or whatever, they're like, wow, what is this? It's like, I'm, I, I'd rather take that chance than, than just sit in my room. Like, it would be, it'd be weird to sit in my room and record music that I never released. You mentioned that it is easier to have community when you're in a band structure because it's kind of implicit. To me, when you're describing putting your music out there as a solo artist, since you don't necessarily have the community in the act of making it, it feels like where the community comes in is when you put it out there to be shared. Yeah, you'd be right. How do you think about building community as a solo artist? Or is that something that feels challenging? You know, one thing I thought was weird is is definitely Good Folk is all about community and collaboration. And like I was like, I've been thinking about this. And it's like, I literally wanted to just tackle this solo you know like like my my music and I was like damn that's that's an interesting um interesting thing to take on the pod but yeah I I guess it it is a little difficult for me personally to try but also I've been trying to kind of um just let the winds of the universe take me kind of wherever. And, you know, just any, um, I'll go on Bandcamp or whatever to find um, new music or artists. I'll just reach out and be like, hey, if I, you know, like it. Um, and I'll be like, hey, I really liked your music. Um, maybe they're from Utah or something. You know, it's like, I see you're from Utah. If you're ever in Nashville, uh, hit me up. Here's my my music if you feel so inclined to see what I'm, I'm about. So I guess that's how I try and build community. I'm glad you bring it up that way because you're right. We do talk so much about community and collaboration on this podcast. And yet I also am like you where yeah. being a writer, like my art form is so individualized and like I don't want someone else working on my novel, right? That's true, so, that's true. But what I found is that you know, we tend to romanticize the idea of like, I'm sitting alone in my room with my headphones yeah, on. Yeah. And for me, while that might be the method required to 
actually write the thing, that is not like how I want my life to look, right? So what I was interested in with this project is, you know, community and collaboration can be about both the act and process of making, but it can also just be about the people you find yourself surrounded by and inspired by. And I know that like these days we're surrounded by musicians all the time, which I have no connection to the music world like that. I mean, I guess I run a music podcast now, but you know, when I think about, I think that's why I asked about the idea of sharing, because it doesn't mean that when I talk about collaborative art, it doesn't mean that every single art form has to be like rooted in collaboration in the process. But I do think that there's something really powerful in finding that community through the act of sharing and the people you're inspired by. And I think that can also apply to like your individual artwork on the back end too, which you look at every art and literary and music movement throughout history. And it's oftentimes a lot of people individually working in the same style, but that becomes a movement in and of itself. Yes. You, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think earlier I got too caught up in, I don't even, I don't even know what, but, um, you're, you're, you're absolutely, well, it's easy to do because yeah. we get worked up about, oh my gosh, we need to be doing everything yeah. in collaboration. It's like, it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have to be. be. Everything is together. Everything is on my yes. own. You know, there's there's a balance. And and you know what? When you break it down to it, like me, even me just being inspired by others, like I'm, I think that could be collaboration kind of, but also the 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 sharing with music to people. Um, I, I love sharing my, my music to like my friends, uh, my family and, and just other like Nashville musicians that I've become, um, friends with, you know, because I, I'll, I'll like pour my heart and soul, you know, to them about their music and I'll release my music, you know, and I'll say like, Hey, this is this. And, um. And we'll kind of just kind of go back and forth and say like what what we like about um, each other's thing sometimes, which is 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 very nice. I think inspiration is totally collaboration, and I, I've been thinking about that a lot as you've been talking. Which is that even if you don't know the other person, like the person that you follow on Instagram who posts something that inspires you, and then that somehow works its way into your art. And then you post something that inspires somebody else, and then that works its way into their art. And it becomes this chain reaction of inspiration that actually like your work is deeply dependent on the people you are inspired by, even if they have no idea who you are and you've never spoken. And to me, that's like the coolest form of collaboration because it's this almost like meta just it's like a spiritual form of collaboration, of inspiration, of all of these things that we're all inspired by, even though we might never speak another word to each other. But I know that I couldn't make my art without the writers and poets that I read and loved, who probably are never going to know who I am. But I would have nothing without them, right? <laughs> that that's so true. That that's so true. And there and you know, a a bunch of those people probably have have could say similar things about you, you know, like, um, yeah, wow. That is, that's, that's very true. Like, and, and it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about of just taking little things in, in your day to day. It could even be someone's, you know, you see someone post and like they're living in like California and like, you know, someone from like your hometown, you're like, Oh, just move to the redwoods. And you could be sitting there like, wow, like that's so, it just got up and moved, you know? And for me, I could be like, oh, I'm going to 
I don't think I would ever maybe do this in such a way of like, I'm going to write a song about the Redwoods or whatever, you know, but some, you would, you would, you know, kind of, you could kind of, um, imagine a certain feeling, I guess you don't have to write a song about the Redwoods. That's kind of, you know, ridiculous, but you never know who you're going to inspire and the effect that's going to have. Exactly. And that's, that's the point I was trying to make without, without what, whatever I just said. No, you made the point. When you yeah, think yeah. about some of the people who inspire you, who are they? Easily uh, my family, um, all my friends, my, um, my, my former bandmates, the people that I love, animals that I love, nature, everything. Everything in, inspires me in, in good and bad ways. I think um, that, was, that was a little... Maybe a little out there, but but for me personally, that's just that's just the the truth. The spirituality of the everyday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's paying attention. I quote this all the time on this podcast, but like my life motto is Mary Oliver's quote: "Attention is the beginning of devotion." So learning how to cultivate those close relationships and follow the things that inspire you can lead to some sort of higher practice, whatever that may be, whether that's art, whether that's spirituality whether that is just finding small moments of happiness and believing in the possibility of them, which again, often feels like a radical process of just believing I'm going to be happy and this is possible for me. Yeah. That's, that is, that is a, who, who said that? It's Mary Oliver, who is an amazing poet um, who passed away a few years ago. And if you like nature work, um, she, well, there's an essay collection that came out. It was either right before, right after she died, but right around the time called upstream. Um, She was largely a poet did a ton of work with like nature and devotion and the idea of like paying attention to the everyday where she has all these poems where she would just like go on walks in the woods and like write about the trees. And she's got like poems about farmers and about apples. Yeah. They're all incredible. Um, Poems about grass. Like she's all about this kind of mode of nature writing that is really rooted in paying attention to the everyday. And then upstream is a collection of essays that came out that is, all kind of, again, rooted in that element of nature writing that's not just like, oh, nature is beautiful, but like nature is this really terrifying and also redemptive place that can be a source of art um, and I can be one with that. So attention is the beginning of devotion of like, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand out in the woods and pay attention to like the leaves on the tree and that is going to make my art. Or I'm going to figure out, I think part of it too is about using poetry as like a language to communicate what the trees are saying is how I approach her work of she's going and she's watching it and she's paying attention enough to figure out what do they want me to translate back and poetry is the vehicle through that so your music can be the vehicle for that for you (laughs) exactly yeah yeah wow yeah that is so so beautiful I, I wrote down Mary Oliver poet because I feel like I I love I love poetry but I feel like I don't know enough poets and I want to I don't know. I live like pretty close to this like huge bookstore and I always look, try and look in the poetry and just kind of see, you know, um, what's there. And I kind of want to get away from, you know, the Robert Frosts and, um, you know, all these kind of old white dudes, which that's, that's all fine. And as you should, that's all fine. (laughs) And you know what? They're, they're good, but also, uh, yeah, so many other people are amazing as well. So, um, 
So yeah. They are not bad, but they are not all that is. That's true. I will send you a list of poems and to to anyone listening, drop your favorite poets in the comments, you know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, please do. We'll create a new nature poetry reading list. Yeah. yeah. Every 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 poetry book that I see that isn't in old uh old white man from like the 30s, I just grab and cuz it's usually like 90 cents and take it home and see see, you know, what's in there. And it's usually good. It's you're taking an art form, finding inspiration in it, and translating it back to your own art form, exactly. which is exactly what I feel like yeah. we've been talking about. When you think about the musicians or other artists that kind of make their way into your work, are there any specific people that come to mind? Oh, man. Uh, oh, God, there's 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 so many. I've uh, I try to really channel my inner, like, you know, um, Bob Dylan a lot there's also this um artist that i'm obsessed with um she's she's chicago based she's not originally from chicago um but la 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 um fronted by lily west um absolutely huge fan and i especially just love her climb from like her first like early releases to like her latest album uh, and it's like so, so different and just from like super kind of lo-fi, like garage punk to like very spacey, like new age. I don't even really know what kind of new age music sounds like, but it sounds like it would be called new age, but, uh, very cool. And yeah, I don't know. There's just so many, but I'm going to stick with Bob Dylan and, uh la 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 two artists that i both really really love um you can't see it i'm staring at i have like three bob dylan posters around my house you know i am a folklorist oh, man. So i you know and it yes. reminds me you're like i'm a solo <laughs> artist just talking about being a regular guy i'm like bob dylan <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah. man yeah bob dylan from an early age was like the bee's knees and i actually have a la 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 poster not this wall but the wall to my right um from her new album totally actually i have not only a poster but a photo that um one of my best friends bought me from her and she like sent it with like stickers and i put one of the stickers um on my guitar which i've never seen a sticker that looked like it at all in my life so i thought it would be pretty unique it's taking those small things that inspire you and keeping them close. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so in, I feel very inspired by this conversation and I, it's been such a joy and pleasure to talk so to you. I. We are coming up on our hour, which is so crazy. Um, you've been listening to the podcast, oh so you know what's coming, I but do. I have one last question for you, which is what do you believe in? Oh man. I, I have been thinking about this for, for as long as like, you know, like we've been in touch about this oh and like i didn't i didn't want to be so like you know sappy and like i feel like this whole podcast i've like come off as this you know whatever this like classic like indie musician who wants to make weird music (laughs) hey there is nothing wrong with that we are all here I always say part of getting older is learning how to embrace. It's making 14-year-olds kind of hate you, but 
nine-year-old really like you? (laughs) And I think part of that is embracing a little bit of cringe. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I love, um, you know, iced coffee with oat milk and I listen to Animal Collective and that's just, that's just how it's going to be. I'm not going to, you know, you're just a regular guy. Yeah. Just a regular guy, man. I wish I had said that. I don't even remember saying <laughs> I'm just a regular guy. Um, it's great. It's perfect. But what do I believe in? I I'm gonna go with with the with the quote unquote sappy answer, but it doesn't have to be sappy. You know, I um I believe in peace, all encompassing personal peace. I want to especially put out there. It's good to have peace within yourself because if you could if you can find peace within yourself like I try and do every day, you could find peace with pretty much everything else. You know, I'm, I'm cool, calm and collected, uh, 99.9% of the week. And the other 0.1% is, you know, forgettable. I think that's a great answer for anyone who wants to learn about upcoming shows, listen to your music, follow your work. Where can you be found? Uh, fresh, fresh air four. There's some underscores in between Fresh and Air and Aaron Four Instagram. Uh, first and foremost, Bandcamp. I want to be rich someday. But you could also just listen to me for free on, I think I'm on everything. Tidal, Deezer, Apple Music, Spotify. And if you want to be Facebook friends, um, Hubble Salgado on Facebook. But I don't accept a lot of people. Um, even people I know. I like to, I had an old Facebook and I had too many friends. So I made a new one. Um, as an adult and yeah but go ahead and send those uh requests keep your circle small find the people who inspire you i'm very inspired by you and thank you so much for being here (laughs) thank you so much for having me on i was super nervous i was just telling one of my friends i'm i'm pretty nervous to, to go on because i don't think i've ever done anything like this it's especially for um fresher for well, I'm very happy we connected and, you know, we're all just good regular folks around here. So. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I can uh, make it to Durham. 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 Just one word. <laughs> but we're all around the triangle. We're, we're everywhere here. Yeah. If, if, if I could make it to that, uh, to that show that you guys are hosting, I would totally. There will be more. Well, we will be, stay tuned to everyone listening. There will be plenty more shows. Um, we've got some, some tricks up our sleeve, but stay tuned. And wherever you are in the world, have a good day. Good night. Be good. Stay good.